This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. That's just it. If we're tricked, you're allowed to tackle a ball carrier if we don't. It's my understanding. I I used to do it anyway, so. (laughs) First time pass interference has ever been called on a nose tackle. That is, wow. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Hey, hey, it's G Mack and Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast with the Hall of Famer, Doug Brown. I'm Greg Mackling. And uh, if you've never been here, we want to thank you for coming for the first time. If you are here on a regular basis, thank you for downloading, sharing, and subscribing the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. And while you're at it, take a couple seconds. Give us one, two, three, four, five stars. We really like five stars, by the way. We would love to have you tune in each and every week. And you know what? If you subscribe, we'll just send it to you automatically. This week, we're going to take a look at Chris Strebler's performance in his debut as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber starting quarterback. The never-ending football game. Thursday night at IGF, lots of people lacking sleep on Friday. We'll find out from Doug Brown who he thinks got the definitive benefit of those delays. And we'll talk about the defense still surrendering close to 500 yards. And Kevin Fogg, who was one of the stars for the Blue Bombers on Thursday night in Game 1, will join us in just a tiny bit. Doug Brown, great to have you in the studio. As per usual, the Blue Bombers playing their home opener, and uh, we saw this show a few times a couple seasons ago. Lightning delays. Mm. Just last year, actually. Yeah, something that you don't really ever want to experience. Yeah, you know, it's uh, for those non-believers in climate change, this would never, ever was something in the 15 years I played pro football. You never saw one, ever. Now it's every year. So this is definitive proof of climate change in your mind. No, I'm just telling you it is something extreme weather conditions is what they say is indicative of climate change. We'll see if if there's another one next year. I'll keep adding it to my argument against you, Macklin. Okay, I think that's five in the last three years, weather delays we've had. Yeah, I'm doing some some math on that. It's insane out there. So, you know what? We had a long time to talk during the broadcast about who this benefits, and, and you succinctly said, and definitively said this benefits the home team why so infrastructure familiarity i mean you're the home team you could go put on new jerseys pants uniforms get a new pair of shoes go in the hot tub uh go to your weight room go in the sauna uh have something catered brought down have a nice sit down four course meal you can do all that you can watch more film watch some television you have all this infrastructure all these facilities and and services available to you you're traveling on the road uh, already. You just want to get out of there, right? It's never pleasant going on the road. You you want to be out of there as soon as possible. And now you're having to stick around. All these adverse variables are being thrown at you, and it's taking you longer and longer and longer. Every time you go into that dressing room locker, it's harder. You don't have the same luxuries that the home team does. So I think we saw that last year when there was a huge delay like that when they played against Hamilton. And uh, they came out from the break and crushed Hamilton. And in this game, they were down, what, 19-7 to before the first break. And they came back, and I think they went on like a 20-point run before Edmonton, under the will of Mike Riley, was able to come back late in the fourth and, and just take over the game. But it's just, you know, it's not a coincidence that the home team has an advantage when these things happen just because, you know, a, a road-traveling team has that much more to contend with, whereas a home team you know, has all the comforts of home, essentially, in that locker room. Finite resources for the team on the road in terms of tape, sock, 
socks, pants, shoes, as all the things you mentioned. And you don't have even have a dryer over there, okay? In the visiting light, you, have, oh, you can do all these things, right? Really? So before, could, I mean, there's been. Could you? Sometimes you don't have ice. Sometimes you don't have hot water. These are uh, these, these happens, standards have changed. Yes, of course. I'm talking uh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't imagine. If this had happened in Hamilton when I was playing, I would have just. Got on home. the bus and gone home? Yeah, I would just said, no, it's not worth it. Well, what about a visiting team at old Winnipeg Stadium? That yeah, would have exactly. been a challenge and a half, exactly. right? Exactly. So the Blue Bombers on the short end of a 33-30 score. Uh, the Blue Bombers really making a game of it, of course. After the the delay that uh, ended the game at 1.17 a.m. And, Doug, we got to give a shout-out to all the fans. There were thousands of fans still in the stands. Not all who were there at the beginning of the game, but there were thousands of fans who stuck around for the end of the game last Thursday night. Not everybody had to work on Friday. So, yeah, no, that was fantastic, though, to see a group that, you know, especially because it was an exciting game, right? And uh, even though there were these crazy, ridiculous breaks in between uh, action, those has to be the longest second quarter in the history of professional football. But anyways, uh, it was an entertaining game. Too bad it couldn't have been all played together. But hats off and kudos to the fans that stuck through it. Now, technically played on two games because it went past midnight, but that was the longest continuously played game with delays, I don't want to confuse it. Other than the Fog Bowl, the longest game in the history of the Canadian Football League. Chris Strevler made his debut at quarterback, Doug. His numbers weren't spectacular, but they weren't horrible. Yeah, you know, it was a solid debut for a guy that has never played Canadian football before. Came into the game. What I was most impressed about was how he wasn't faced. And, uh, you know, his ability to stay focused and to overcome uh, some of the difficulties he had initially. Uh, I mean, the very first play he was in there, he was sacked, I believe. Uh, second series, he was in there, he threw an interception. And yet, you know, for, for a lot of guys that are new to professional football and in your first game ever, that would, those would be mental obstacles that you would not be able to overcome. You wouldn't have the confidence to be able to continue on. He was able to get past that. He was able to brush it off. And he was, I don't want to say he was unflappable out there, but he showed an incredible amount of resilience uh, to end up throwing, you know, uh, three touchdowns on the night. And uh, he bounced back very well. So I think it was, I think he showed a lot of potential. I think he showed a lot of promise and something to build off of. Obviously, when it comes to rookies, rookie quarterbacks especially, you want to see them build. You want to see them evolve and, and not regress and improve every week. But, you know, he's got a lot of those fundamentals that uh, make his future seem promising. Why don't we give you some exact numbers? 15 of 28 of 53.6 completion percentage. 178 yards, three touchdowns. Probably the most impressive number on the night was the fact that he was able to find the end zone three times to three different receivers. Yeah, you know, and his veteran receiving group, granted one of those touchdown passes was to a rookie, I believe, but um, or Drew a, young, a young player. Um, you know, guys like, like Dressler standing alone in the end zone. Uh, the other touchdown pass was Darwin Adams. Is that correct? Both of them were relatively uncovered and wide open in the end zone. So it just goes to show you, you know, these guys, uh, that veteran savvy, they made it easier for him in that respect. He didn't have to thread the needle to either one of these guys. He didn't have to throw them open and you have to make an incredible read. It was like, Hey, there's a guy that's open in the end zone, get the ball to him. And that builds confidence, right? So that's a benefit that Streveler has working with this veteran receiving group is they can make things easier for him because they understand and know the game. Is that ultimately the difference that 
Strevler has versus a Robert Marr versus a Joey Elliott versus some of the quarterbacks that we've seen come in here over the years. They were working with depleted lineups all over the field. Strevler really working with one of the best offenses in the CFL at every single position. Yeah. Well, you know, Strevler to his benefit, he's working in a great offensive system, a very productive offensive system, uh, a dynamic, multifaceted system. By that, we mean he's got a running game. He's got balance. He therefore can use play action. He's got good protection uh, from that offensive line. Uh, he's got the ability to, to have holes made for his running back because of that offensive line. And he's got a veteran dynamic receiving group. So you put all those together and it can really prop a guy up, build this confidence until he gets enough reps out there to, to mature and to get consistent. Because the biggest thing and the head scratcher and the annoyance with rookies is you don't always get a consistent performance from week to week. He's got another challenge going into Montreal with uh, with a pretty good defense out there too. So it'll be interesting to see if he can take another step forward. Mike Riley on the Edmonton side of the side of the ball was thirty two of forty six, four hundred eight yards, only one touchdown, one interception, and of course that monster play on the second possession, the first play of the second possession for the Eskimos from their own nine yard line, a one hundred one yard touchdown strike to Darrell Walker. That is something that uh, the Blue Bombers have seen from the other side, and it feels like we were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago in the 16 great, greatest plays in Blue Bomber history. That's not something that you anticipate having to battle back from a 101-yard touchdown so early in a game. Well, it's it's uh, you know it's a tough play. It was a contested football. It was you know Chris Randall was there, was going up, was fighting for space and the ball. And uh, you obviously didn't have any help over the top. It was an isolation play there. So that's the risk you run. And uh, it was, you know, a situation, a regrettable situation where he lost his footing. Other than that, it was not a coverage breakdown or anything like that. He had an opportunity, just didn't go his way. That happens in pro football. Bomber still gave up close to 500 yards in offense. Uh, That's got to be a concern. Well, the scariest thing for me was, you know, that was far from ideal conditions, right? So, um very, and not only was it a, a fragmented time out there and, and uh, um, series of, of when the quarters were being played, so on and so forth, but yeah, the conditions were less than optimal, a scary number uh, considering making you wonder how he could have performed, how he could have done uh, if things were ideal out there. We now welcome to the Blue Bomber podcast, Winnipeg Blue Bomber defensive back and kick returner Kevin Fogg, returning for his third season, matching his jersey number with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He got things kicked off in spectacular fashion in spite of the loss to Edmonton in the home opener, an interception, and this electrifying missed field goal return for a touchdown. 45-yard field goal try by Sean White on what should be the final play of the first half. The ball is in the air. It's wide left. Brought out by Kevin Fogg, who's to the 10, the 15, the 20, the 25, the 30, the 35. The 50 center field. Fogg is gone. Touchdown, Blue Bombers on a wide field goal miss. Uh, Doug, you got some uh, questions for uh, Kevin Fogg? Well, I think the most important question to ask Kevin Fogg, uh, you know, in spite of his uh, amazing performance in that game, is what did you do for three hours in the locker room during the lightning breaks? Uh, That has been at the forefront of my mind. Hot tub, sauna, did you guys get a meal catered? What happened? Well, they, they, so all of the above. Um, I didn't do any of the above. 
but they did have some food and stuff like that. So um, I just listened to music, though. I just listened to music and was just trying to stay cool and calm. And Put your stuff I, in the dryer or uh, change your shoes or anything like that because it was so wet out there? No, I, I, I did. Uh, I guess I did take off my gloves, though, because I had muffed, you know, a couple punts. So it was... Uh, wasn't good. <laughs> is that hard to restart? It's almost like playing three mini games, isn't it? Because every time you go back, you, you get cold again. You got to come back out. You got to warm up again. Hard to maintain your mental focus on the game, would you not say? Yeah, it's, it's hard. Um, but I guess Coach O'Shea sh- surely knew that um, you know how it was and how it could be. So he made sure that we were staying fine to what we were supposed to do and staying having high energy and stuff like that. So I mean, it was good. Uh, it, the situation sucked because it was just, you know, this time it was two delays. And so uh, during the first delay, it was weird because we had to go back out and go straight to defense. And so uh, I've never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> no halftime either, right? So but you guys didn't need another break anyways. Yeah, uh, so <clears throat> they had said no halftime after our first delay. And I actually thought half was over. Um, when we went in again. So I was like, okay, I thought it was a halftime. They said it was like a, a minute and like 20 or something seconds left. And I was like, okay, like this is going to be that time now. So that's all good though. So you had one of the plays of the, well, granted it's week one, but one of the plays of the year so far in terms of your missed field goal return for a touchdown. I have to ask, was your field goal return team on the field or was it just regular defense or a, a blocking uh, unit out there. It's both incorporated, and so I mean we're hoping, of course, they miss it, and you know we get a good return out of it. But um, yeah, so it's everything's included. Everything was uh, worked out how it's supposed to. How gassed are <laughs> how gassed are you after a return like that? How long um, before you're like, okay, I can go play defense again? Well, because guess you what know, you have to do after you score? Uh, you have to go know, play defense again, was, right? Though. The great thing about that was it was the end of the half and our offense got the ball. And so I was pretty, I was pretty excited because <laughs> usually after any return, I would have to go back on the field. And so um, kind of worked out to where, you know, the offense had to go back out after the halftime. So I lucked out. <laughs> so you got the only pick against Mike Riley. Um, he was able to, at the most Inopportune of times, uh, put together a huge comeback, march the football. What, in your mind, what is the most impressive thing about Mike Riley when you face him from uh, from the perspective of somebody that plays in the secondary? Um, he will extend the play. He yeah. is the king of extending the play. Um, <clears throat> you think that he's wrapped up, and and then before you know it, he's running out and you know looking for you know the receiver to throw to, and so. Um, I mean, he has a highlight of, of doing that and uh, for years after years and stuff. And so it's like you have to contain him. Um, he's a great player. Uh, he knows um, how to <laughs> use his legs and, and not just his arm. And when he uses his arm, he has a very strong arm as well. So uh, he's a great athlete, great player. Um, and you have to be on your key with him. You have to be on point with when playing against him. So you're the only one that was able to intercept him in this game. Take us through that in terms of uh, your assignment, how you played it, what your vision was on uh, on getting that interception. Uh, so I mean, we were in a you know a man coverage, and 
I was covering my guy, and then I just saw him just wound up and just throw it. And he didn't I try just, and look you off or anything. He was. Well, he, no, no, no. It was. It was. He was thrown to a. I mean, yeah, he was thrown to a different guy. So I just. Oh no! I was just playing football. Honestly, I was in the right place at the right time. We had a great, great play, um, and uh, I was reading him a little bit. Um, and just end up coming off and uh, going to that route. What I'm hearing you say is that Mike Riley challenged you to pick off the ball, and, and you were up to the challenge. That's that's what yes. I hear. That's what that, I hear. That's all that was. I mean, it's that's all it comes down to at the end of the day. <laughs> um, because, like I said, he is a great player. Um, he, he can give you a lot of um, a lot of stuff, and so now you just have to be prepared and. Make the play when it when it comes to you, honestly, because it it's not just going to happen like that. So, uh, yeah, it was good. It was great. Last question for you uh, before we let you go. Uh, today was day one of your preparation week for Montreal. You'll travel on Thursday, play on Friday, uh, day two Tuesday, day three Wednesday. What kind of challenges do you have facing a familiar Drew Willie led offense in Montreal? Um, you know. Drew was here my first year, and so um, I was able to see him uh, and, and, I guess, practice against him, like, for most of the year. Um, and he's a great player. Uh, he's a great player when he has the time and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, when you have a, a quarterback, and, I mean, he's put up great numbers over the years before I got into the league and stuff, and so you can never um, wash that away. So, um, you know, we just have to just continue to play our game, play our – our defense, um, that's usually what we try to focus on on a daily week is trying to perfect what we can on our on our end and just be prepared for whatever it is that the opponent has for us. All right, Kevin. Thank Thanks, you very Kevin. much. Kevin, appreciate you hanging tough. No problem. Thank y'all. Okay, we'll talk Friday. to you soon. Yeah, take care. Monday nights at 7, it's your chance to get the scoop from Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea. There's nothing we're shaking or you know revelations being talked about oh come on coach not even some juicy inside stuff on the players they are what we thought they were it's good i like that yeah i forget who said that but dennis green dennis green there you are i'm much more calm when i said it the bomber coaches show for genuity traits monday nights at seven on 680 cjob Everything you need to know about your Winnipeg Blue Bombers brought to you by a CFL Hall of Fame player. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Subscribe now in iTunes. All right, Doug, why don't we take a look real quick at uh, the Blue Bombers. Of course, they're a full game behind everybody else in the West now. Everybody else winning this past weekend, yes. So mm-hmm. now the Blue Bombers uh, kind of sitting where a lot of people thought that they might be in a week without Matt Nichols. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, obviously, British Columbia, and Saskatchewan all winning this weekend. What do the Blue Bombers need to do to get back on the winning track? And I'll ask you, you asked Kevin Fogg about playing Drew Willie. I'll ask you, is there a benefit in playing a quarterback who was formerly a teammate? Yeah, I, I think those are the, yeah, I wrote a column about this for Tuesday. Those are the, the easiest and the best game plans to draw up is when you have that intimate familiarity with the player that was on your team. Uh, you've practiced against him. You, you've gone out in the field, seen him in live game action. 
there are guys and coaches and talent evaluators that know exactly what scenarios he flourishes in, what scenarios he struggles in, right? And it's funny, uh, when I was thinking about writing this column, I was like, oh, I could go back and see what we wrote about Drew Willie. I mean, it was 30-something games ago, the last time he played a regular season game in Winnipeg. But instead of that, you just watched the BC clips, right? And uh, it's interesting. Uh, Herb Zerkowski wrote a piece about this in Montreal Gazette, and he literally said, you know, uh, Montreal and Drew Willie came out very strong in that game. They're up 10 nothing. They're they're ahead 10-9 at halftime. And then Herb Zerkowski made this comment in his review of the game. He's like, and then BC started to blitz every passing scenario uh, where Drew Willie had the ball and, and was at the helm of the offense in the second half. And guess what? They didn't score another point. Well, they didn't score another point since the first quarter, but they didn't score any points in the second half. Right. And uh, BC just took off. So you you just look at the one pick Drew Willie threw. It's when he was moved off his spot, right? He had to. He's not comfortable in the pocket. He has to get out of there. Uh, he's rolling to his left, I think it was, and just throws a terrible ball up for grabs. Uh, the, the guy was right in front of his intended target, under threw it, obviously, but he's just not a guy that's comfortable when he's under duress, when he's under pressure. So I think, uh, you know, if any team should know this, it'll be Winnipeg in terms of how to make Drew Willie's life uncomfortable in Montreal on the road, and that is hitting him. He was sacked five times against BC. Hitting him, getting in his face, moving him off his spot, making him uncomfortable out there, uh, forcing him to to you know operate outside of the pocket. I think that's going to be the big key to winning this game. And if they don't know that going into this game, if we don't see a heavy... I mean, obviously you want to see how your front four does in terms of whether they can get pressure or not without adding people. But uh, the more immediate, the more he knows, you know, he doesn't make the quickest, he doesn't have the quickest release, he doesn't make the quickest of decisions, and he doesn't always make the right decision, especially when he's hurried like that. So I think that is, uh, for me, the three keys, that's number one, two, and three uh, in terms of being successful on Friday. And not to mention, not to mention the fact that he doesn't have the option to run like a Mike Riley. He's simply immobile back there. He's not getting to your second and definitely not getting to the third level of your defense as we saw Mike Riley do on the very last play before the first rain delay. The Blue Bombers had Riley dead to rights in the backfield, probably a nine to ten yard loss. He turns it in, does Mike Riley into a 14 yard gain. You're not going to see that from Drew Willie. It's a completely different setup, different quarterback, and the Blue Bombers will have to be putting on pressure. And if they have to blitz, then I guess they'll have to blitz. Well, I want them to blitz all game, just just because the pressure is more immediate. Even if your front four is winning and getting pressure, I think the the key against Drew is just that you know it's more immediate, it's quicker, quicker pressure, right? And having unblocked guys on the way to the football, I don't think he can process. What's Force him to make on. a quick decision. Yeah. I don't think he, you know, he's going to make the right decision and/or process and understand where to go with the football when he's that hurried, right? So you can get pressure with your four-man crew, but usually it's not. You can't get everybody to whiff on their blocks every every single time. So it's hard to get immediate, quick hitting stuff like you can if you overload on one side and you get a free rusher off the edge or something like that or up the middle. Varied looks are going to be important, but get him, force him to try and process what's happening happening immediately, and I think that's going to be your success against Drew Willie. All right, well, we'll reconvene next week. We'll uh, walk you back through how the Blue Bombers did in Montreal and get you set up for Hamilton as the Blue Bombers are on the road for two in a row. Doug, are you coming? 
coming home in between these two games? What's your plan here? Because am I going to see you here next week, or are we going to have to do this many, over the phone? many, jobs. I have to come home. You yes. have to come home. All right. Well, we'll be back. We'll reconvene in one week's time, and we'll get you caught up and get you looking forward. Bombers, Alouettes this Friday. Next week, it's Bombers, Hamilton. This is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share and download our podcast. We love it when you join us, and we'll catch up with you next time. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com.